everyone and welcome new subscribers. So how do you practice mindfulness? For some, this question may be very easy to answer, but for others, you may not know where to begin or even if it matters. Now there's a good chance that if you've attended one of my mindfulness classes, you have heard the story of Brian. And I wish I could take credit for this brilliant teaching, but I learned it from Jack Cornfield, a world-renowned Buddhist teacher. Brian, who had served a couple of tours of duty in the Middle East, was home on leave and decided to go to the grocery store. And with a cart full of groceries and a to-do list arm's length long, he was anxious to get on with his day. So he gets in line, ready to begin placing his items on the conveyor belt, but he can't because there's a woman in front of him. And in her cart, there's a baby. And in her basket, there's just one item. Now he looks over to the left, and then he notices a checkout line designated for items, 12 items or less. Brian is immediately triggered. Why isn't she in that line? If she was out of my way, I could begin unloading this cart. What's the matter with people? Can't they follow rules? If more people would show up in the world like us Marines, things would be, well, a lot more in order today. And they wouldn't be the way they, things are. That's what we need, more conformance, more compliance, more order in this world. Now, in the meantime, the woman approaches the cashier and begins to have a conversation with her. And the cashier then begins to engage with the baby. The woman then takes the baby out of the cart and hands it to the cashier. Now, you can imagine what's going on in Brian's mind. Really? Today? You're going to do this? And he turns behind him and he starts rolling his eyes. And what feels like 20 minutes for Brian is probably barely five. Brian is steaming and preparing to give this cashier a piece of his mind. Now, in the meantime, the cashier hands the baby back to the woman and the one item that she purchased in her basket, and off they go. Brian steps up to the cashier and blurts out sarcastically, Well, that must have been some baby. And the cashier responds, Oh, that wasn't just some baby. That was actually my son. You see, my husband died in Afghanistan eight months ago, and my mother has volunteered to watch our son so that I could work full time. And every afternoon, she brings him in for a visit so we can see each other for just a few minutes. Hmm. Notice where the story lives in your body. And without judgment, notice how often you, we, are like Brian. Now, as Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, often shared, between a stimulus and a response is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So studies show that we as humans have anywhere from 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. And the problem is, is that 95% of the thoughts that we're having today are the same thoughts that we had yesterday and the day before. That is what we call reaction. We live most of our lives in a place of reaction, which is a perfect recipe for living in a prison, a prison of our minds. So today's call for action step is to consider and then journal how might your life, health, relationships, work, 
change if you reacted less. So humans have known this tool for bringing more peace and calm into our lives for thousands of years, and yet we continuously try to make it more complicated, spending millions of dollars on gadgets, magic pills, and programs to reduce stress. Imagine the most powerful tool already lives in each one of us. Mindfulness is the tool accessible to everyone. So what is the definition of mindfulness? Mindfulness simply means present moment awareness. And although meditation may very well be the most powerful form of mindfulness, mindfulness can be practiced every day, all day. If you were to ask the Buddha what it means to be mindful, he would respond by saying, it's simple. When you sit, you sit. When you're in the kitchen peeling potatoes, you're just peeling potatoes. You're not checking your emails, watching TV, all while helping someone doing their homework. Just peeling potatoes. Mindfulness can be practiced by walking, while eating, a meal, in conversation with someone where you're just listening, as opposed to figuring out how you're going to fix or save them. You know, many people express their most powerful mindfulness practice happens when they're expressing their creativity. You know, like writing or singing, dancing, painting, programming a computer. And there are millions of ways to practice mindfulness and several ways to practice meditation. And the most powerful form of mindfulness is meditation. Now, years ago, it was said that a proper way to meditate was to sit on a mat for an hour while gazing at your navel chanting OM. And then several years later, they found that one could get just as much out of 20 minutes as you can an hour. You know what today's studies show? Today's studies have proven that just 10 minutes, and some say five to seven minutes, is sufficient. You see, it's really not about the duration. More importantly, it's the consistency that truly matters. Meditation can be practiced sitting, laying, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, with music or mantras, or simply in silence. There are many, many ways to practice mindfulness and meditation. My invitation is to explore a way that works for you. And most importantly, remember, it's a practice, not perfection. So if you're looking for more clarity, peace, and direction in your life through the lens of mindfulness and powerful coaching tools, please consider joining me on March 21st through the 27th at beautiful Kapalo, where you will spend an entire week exploring your mind, body, spirit, and soul. A transformational experience, I promise. Love and light. <laughs>